Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? Hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. This is episode 46. Jamie Eads joining you as always. Hope everybody's having a fantastic week out there. Uh, I'm going to be joined by a good friend today, uh, David Parks, who is uh, currently out on the road splitting his time between Derek St. Holmes and Casey James. He is also one of the co-founders of the Nashville Drummers Jam, and we're going to talk all about that right after this message from Lost Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Lost Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Lost Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Lost Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Lost Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Lost Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Lost Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at lostcabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, everybody. As I mentioned, going to be joined by a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. David Parks. David is uh, also a proud Kentuckian, as am I. I've been meaning to get him on the show here for quite some time. Uh, David's just one of the great souls in the music business. Uh, he has been out with just about everybody. I mean, he's played with just so many great folks. Uh, he's had a, a wonderful career, uh, and, and I really admire David. He's a good dude, uh, does a lot of great work out there. As I mentioned earlier, he's been playing with Derek St. Holmes, with Casey James, uh, he played for many years with uh, the Low Cash Cowboys, um, just doing fantastic work out there. So help me welcome my pal, David Parks, to the Drum Shuffle. David, what's up, brother? How are you? Doing good, man. How are you? Well, I can't complain yet. Uh, nobody's listening to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my line yeah well you know yeah. it's it, it, it's <laughs> can't complain nobody will listen that that's exactly right and you know it costs a lot to get somebody to listen to your problems these days um <laughs> 
Anyway, they still don't care. That's right. They still don't care. They just want the <laughs> check. Uh, brother, thanks so much for taking time to come on the drum shuffle. We really do appreciate it. We've got a lot to talk about. So thanks for your time, man. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a fan of the show. I love listening. My favorite's probably the Michael Miley oh, yeah. uh, podcast guy. You know, he's such a real dude, such a real player and an inspiring player. And um, he's one of the few on your that you've interviewed that I don't know. <laughs> so uh, it's nice to hear. <laughs> hear yeah. Perspective. Well, it, it was kind of a cool situation with Miley. Um, you know, he was on tour in Europe when we did it. And he was like, hey, man, I've got a day off. I've got a hotel room. Um, you know, can you do this at like 7 a.m. Eastern time? That'll be. Yeah, know, I remember because <laughs> it was a time difference. Right. So. <laughs> It was really cool. You know, I'm sitting here having coffee at 7 a.m. and he's having coffee in his hotel room in like Finland or something, you know, at three in the afternoon. It was it was just it was rad, you know, and um, I, and it's like I told him, he's probably the closest thing to Bonham we've got today. Really? You know, well, I, you know, a lot of people like to compare him to Bonham. But I, don't, I don't I really don't think so. I think he plays more. He's a more of a on top of the beat player, maybe because he tunes his drums in that, in that manner, big drums tuned high, which is something that I cannot do. I have tried, and it sounds like a bucket of clams. I, I, I cannot perfect that, and it, it bothers me. But I think he's more of a um, – I, I guess he's got that bottom groove and that, that music aspect to it, but he's got his own little thing going on, and – and uh, I, I just really love listening to him, and of course all the other stuff, you know. Oh yeah, and the I, new. I'm a big fan. Yeah, the new record's just phenomenal too. I mean, you know, I think everything Dave Cobb touches turns into gold anyway. So I mean, it's it's right. really cool. But you know, you talk you talk about the big drums tuned high. You know, we recently had uh, Jeff Ockletree on, and we're going to try to get him back when he's feeling a little bit better to teach us all how to do that correctly. So <laughs> yeah, how many of us have watched his videos on what to do, and we still do it wrong yeah exactly i'm i'm i could get closer to building a space shuttle and making it actually work than to to tune as perfectly (laughs) as he does that's fantastic (laughs) well cool man well again thanks for the time i appreciate you coming on man um so let's let's do what we always do here on the drum shuffle let's let's go back to the beginning tell us where you grew up and how you ended up behind a drum set the first time uh grew up in Owensboro, Kentucky, and my dad used to play guitar along with the radio, as well as my mom actually played in bands. She played bass and piano. So I grew up around a lot of um, rehearsals, shows, things. And when I was a kid, I was more interested in G.I. Joe and, and, and my toys and Star Wars stuff. And one day, it just you know, what's the coolest thing in the room to anybody, the drums, right? You know? So, and as a kid, it was very accessible. You know, you didn't really have to learn much. You just hit things, you know, that's, that's entertaining to a child, I guess. And I guess to anybody. And, uh, so, uh, her, my mom's drummer, uh, he was a, uh, a quite large, man and he was blind and he was the local piano tuner believe it or not he was he was very sought after and i asked him you know 
Mr. George, can I play your drums? And he, he, uh, he, well, yes, you can, David. He had a real low voice, you know, sound like J.D. Sumner. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't even reach the pedals, man. And I got up there and started playing. I was in love with it. My mom got me some practice pads and sent me off to the uh, local music store where I started taking drum lessons. Actually, first she wanted me to play, take guitar lessons, and I just threw it down. And my instructor taught guitar, bass, piano, drums, everything. So there was a drum kit in the room. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I, uh, I just gravitated toward the drums, and I come out of my first guitar lesson, and and my instructor looked at my mom and said, uh, "He's going to be a drummer. Here's your guitar back. We'll we'll trade that in for uh, some pads and sticks." Nice. And it, it just come naturally, and and then after that, you know, at that age, I was seven, eight, nine years old, and so I just start gravitating toward music, and and then then the melodic side of me kicked in, and then after that's an addiction, and then then it's over with. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it's such a similar story to to I think most drummers. You just gravitate towards it, and then it takes hold and, and you never look back, which is, which is, I think kind of cool. Uh, you know, and, and that's very, you know, it's, it's a similar story is what I'm getting at. I, I always say, I always say it picked me. I didn't, it shows me, I didn't choose it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> Cause uh, it was such a natural thing with my mom touring around to shows and everything. And then one day I woke up and went, wait a minute, what am I doing? Right. Uh, you know, and then, then I start, discovering bands that I love to this day. And then after that, it's just, uh, you know, I was born 25 years too late. I always say that, you know, because all the music that I love and I'm sitting there with vinyl records and reading the sleeves and all my friends are outside getting in trouble. I'm inside in front of a stereo. I remember being a young kid and crying and throwing a fit that uh, my babysitter wouldn't let me listen to records. She wanted me to go outside and play, and I wanted, and all I wanted to do was sit in front of the stereo and listen to records. She could have left me there all day; I'd have been fine. Yeah. Well, you, you, you and me both, brother. I mean, you know, it's it's like I, I think you know, you and I are pretty close in age, and you know, people say to me all the time, "Oh, you're such an old soul." And I know you oh, are you're too. 25? You're 25 yeah. as well. <laughs> yes, I am actually. <laughs> yeah. There uh, we go. Um, but I, you know people say you're such an old soul and I know you are too, because, you know, we've talked a bunch of times and, um, you know, kind of gotten to know each other, you know, it's true. It's like, we were always playing with the older guys in the neighborhood and hanging out with the older guys because that was the stuff that we were drawn to. Yeah. You know, uh, hell I was playing local bars. I played a place called the B and B tavern in Owensboro, Kentucky. And you had to get really good at ducking beer bottles in that, in that joint. And <clears throat> luckily, I, I hadn't fully grown yet. <laughs> I, I ducked plenty. And uh, hell, I was 14, 15 years old playing in that place. And of course, back then, it wasn't that big of a deal. Hey, our drummer's underage. Cool. Just sneak him in in between sets and don't let him drink. And I didn't drink at you know at all. So I, there wasn't there, there wasn't no need for it. So, uh, um, but I was really fortunate to play with some of the players that I did growing up locally. And uh, they just kind of took me under their wing. A lot of local drummers in Owensboro, Kentucky, John Vanover, Mike Smith. John Vanover's dad, who recently passed away, David Vanover, worked at Ludwig Drum Company, which, you know, led me to the love of Ludwig Drums. 
yeah. uh, that I still have to this day. And um, I, I just, I'm really fortunate and blessed to, for all the, uh, all the guys that I grew up with and the guidance that I had at the time um, to lead me to where I am now for my appreciation of, you know, as you and I both know, real music because it's far and few between. 99% of what's on the radio now is McDonald's. Yeah. 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 It's it, processed, you, printed and, 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 uh, and on an assembly line, it's, it's not real. Yeah. And, and the, the general public don't know any better and it's quite discouraging. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it is. And, you know, I mean, I know, you know, I grew up in central Kentucky. You grew up in, in what we up here, you know, consider Western Kentucky, even though Owensboro yeah. isn't really Western yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. But hey, hey, uh, Western Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky might as well be two different states. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's that's very true, you know. But um, you know, I mean, I remember the the circuit, you know, when I first started playing was Lexington, Louisville, Owensboro, right? I mean, that was kind of the right. circuit that I grew up in because you know you would play in Lexington at you know the Rockledge or the Millennium or A One A. You would play in Louisville at the Toy Tiger or Phoenix Hill Tavern. Oh. And then you would go to Owensboro, right? And then you would go to Owensboro and hopefully you got a gig at the executive inn, right? I mean, that was, that oh, was, yeah. that, the, played the, there many times too. Yeah. And, and that was just part of the circuit growing up. And, you know, I, I guess I'm curious, did you do the whole, you know, school band marching or were you just, no, I'm going to go straight out into the club scene and, and, and rock kind of thing? Well, that's funny you ask that. So everything you just covered uh, kind of ties into one big knot to put on this present right here. It We, you know, as as drummers when you're kids, like, again, you just want to hit things and you just want to go out there and rock and you have these dreams of sparkly futures and everything and you just want to go out there and rock. And that's, you know, I had, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Tommy Lee and, you know, be cool and be in a band and, that's all I wanted to do. That's all I cared about. And um, I t- my buddy, John Vanover, he kind of took me under his wing. He did some re- uh, reverse psychology on me. Uh, he said, man, you're going to go into marching band? You're going to go? You already tried for your marching band. I was going from, I met him when I was in junior high school. And I was going into high school. And he goes, man, he goes, going into freshman year, you really need to get in that band. I was like, no, nah, man, I ain't going to do all that. That's not for me. And he looked at me and he said, Oh, so you just want to be a regular drummer, huh? You want to be a mediocre drummer, huh? Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, you son of a... Mm. I was like, I'll show you, and I'm going to go for the band. I'm going to go in there and kill it. I'm so glad I did, and I'm so glad he said what he said, how he said it. Now, at the time, I was mad at him. Now, I look back and I go, he said that to me on purpose with tough love because it gave me... It, it kind of woke me up. If he would have sat there and tried to sell me on on chops and everything, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have listened, you know, and I did go in marching band and I, uh, from my freshman year to my junior year, I played, uh, of course, uh, marching bass drum. I was one year, I was three and five or something like that. And then I played tenors up until I was out of high school. And, um, the, Self-discipline that a drum corps has. Um, you know, if parents are listening, 
don't send your kids to reform school. Put them in a drum line. Uh, I mean, the exercise and the, hey, man, if you were like 10 seconds late, you did 50 push-ups. I was in the best shape of my life. I'm, I'm late for everything. And if you were off by one beat, I mean, we had, uh, God rest his soul, Don, uh, Don Mellon. I hated him in high school. I hated him. I, I fantasized about making him eat one of my tom-toms every day. But... <laughs> Uh, I tell you, I, today I couldn't be more thankful for him because uh, I I have we just played a show with uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and I have a I have a left hand that Chris Layton was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, in, in marching band, you you learn all, it's not just about drumming, it's not just about chops, it's it's there's it's almost a military style thing, and and there's discipline. It kept me out of trouble. We would show up an hour before school to have a sectional, and not because they they asked us to. It was everybody the drumline's commitment and drive and want. And then yeah, I mean it's the pride would, in in the project, right? Uh, I mean you want to be the best. We we would take our lunch hour and even do stuff, and then we would stay after school till like five o'clock for. Um, uh, for till for band rehearsal, and then we take an hour break, and we would come back six till nine, or sometimes ten o'clock, even, and we'd be up there, you know, pumping out drum stuff. And uh, that Davis County High School drumline at that at that time, one of our judges, overall judges, said, "I view the Davis County High School band as a drumline with band accompaniment." And we took pride in that. And that's, that's one of those comments that I hung on to because our band director at the time said, uh, that's not a good compliment. That's insult toward the band. I said, no, that's a compliment for all the hard work we do. If they want to be as good as this, then they got to show that commitment. They got to show up early. They got to stay late. They got to work through the lunch hour, you know, and there's no substitute for elbow grease in anything. And, uh, that, that's what it taught me. And it, I loved that we did that. I, I mean, I could go on a 10 million stories here uh, and I talk too much, but um, about the chops that I learned in that realm that brought me to the, be the drummer I am today that I still use. And if I wouldn't have learned that, I don't know if it would, uh, if I would be, I don't know if I would have learned it another time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I do. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I took the other route. You know, I was like, man, I don't want to just play one drum. I want to play the drum set. You know, I mean, I, I want to put on the, mm -hmm. you know, Kiss Alive or Aerosmith Rocks or Led Zeppelin three and play along with all that stuff. And, you know, I think one of the things that that I missed out on with the, the marching background is not only the chops, but you also learn when you're in a large ensemble like that, you learn what not to play. You know, yeah, just, sometimes it's more important what you don't play as it is what you do play. To, to this day, and, I, and I, I'll bring this up, anybody that's talked to me in the last year will know uh, musically, uh, <clears throat> the, the best timing exercise you can do for an ensemble is a, something called NASA. And it's... Uh, one group, each, each ensemble, like, you know, like the, each, each voice, the tenors, snares, bass, pit, even cymbals, 
um, you play at uh, different levels. Uh, every, everybody, you know, uh, you start at one, go to five, five to one or whatever. But it's you're um, tapping ghost notes in in, uh, in eighth notes. Right. And you play them at the, at the lowest dynamic possible. And <clears throat> and then you accent on one. And you do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, one, one. And then you started again at eight. It's an eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. That's why they call it NASA. It's a countdown. And one day our it was it's kinda like the wax on, wax off moment. We were like, Why are we doing this? We don't understand. I why why are you making us do this? This is stupid. Then he took away our ghost notes. Once we got really good at that, we had to take away the ghost notes. Then we staggered everything. The snare started on beat one, tenors on beat two, uh, first three bases on beat three, the fourth, uh, four through six or seven on beat five, the pit was on six, and the other two was on seven and eight. So when we did it all together with no ghost notes, it was you know, and so on and so on. And you can, and, uh, and it never made sense to me, but I remember a lot of the drum lines coming up and being scared. They're going, Oh my gosh, you guys are wicked. I'm like, no, we're not. We're just a normal drum line. And then somebody, somebody's parents had a video camera in the stands and we were warming up and you could hear us on the other side of the school. And I was like, oh, my gosh, who is that? Those guys are bad. And somebody said, that's y'all doing NASA. And I'm like, oh, that is. Oh, my gosh, we sound terrifying. And he said, that's why everybody's scared of y'all. Nobody knew that we were doing ghost notes. See, in the stands, you can't hear the ghost notes. From far away, all you hear is. Right. You know, and it's like, boy, those guys are tighter than a hair in a biscuit. And it's like, and so, yeah. And then later. After a year or two of doing that, we got that tight. I, I remember thinking Don was smiling at us going, see, that's why I was teaching you that. Right. Well, and sometimes lessons aren't learned uh, immediately. It's a, it's a time thing and you go, oh, I get it now, Daniel's son. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, you have the, that aha moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Well, so David, tell me about, you know, I, I know that you didn't stay, you know, in Owensboro forever. And and I know you split your time, you know, kind of between the Southwest Ohio music scene and Nashville. But I'm curious, tell me about your first big break, because you've played. I mean, your your resume speaks for itself. You've played with so many, you know, just awesome names in the business. Um, tell me about your first big break. Uh, that that leads me back to one of your earlier comments about the executive end. Uh, I was playing in a, a local band in Owensboro, Kentucky. I was, you know, I, like I said, I was playing bars back then, 14, 15 years old. Little, you know, the aha moment, the less, the long time lesson thing. Uh, all that wasn't for naught. It wasn't a, uh, it, it, you know, it was a building ground. It was a training session. Um, 
for what was to come because in the opportunities that, that came and, and uh, that local band was playing a festival that summer. I think it was summer of 94. And we were playing the, it, the executive inn and uh, outside at a car show and our power had went out and I ran inside and a group called the Vandells were inside the showroom um, auditioning drummers. And um, long story short, I got the, I went in, I'm 18 years old. I don't think I can get it. And my singer goes, man, you ought to go up and audition just for fun because the worst thing they're going to look at you is say, no, you need to rehearse some more. You need to go get better. And I thought, well, and I, I actually auditioned thinking I'm not getting this, but I'm auditioning just for the experience of auditioning because one day I'm going to audition for real and I'm going to need to have some experience. And, and that's not an experience you can go down the street and just get on a shelf. Right. Um, so they handed me a tape and said, go home and learn three songs and come in here tomorrow and we're going to throw some songs at you that you've never heard of or whatever. And I'm like, cool, this will be an experience. This will be learning for me. And I went home and, and at the time it was a cassette tape because we're old. And, uh, <laughs> hey kids, look up a cassette tape. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, so we, I went home and rehearsed it. My mom was freaking out. She's like, oh my gosh, you're going to get this and you're going to be gone and whatever. But she was, you know, proud of me and happy for me and everything. Very supportive mother. Couldn't ask for a better one. And, um, I went in the next day and I got the gig and I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, I was like, you get it. I was just auditioning for, I mean, of course I wanted it, but I didn't. I, not in my wildest dreams that I think I was going to get that gig. And that was my big turnaround moment for me. My, uh, you know, looking back on it now, probably, you know, it was my, uh, page turner, my pivot point, my, uh, launching pad. And I went on the touring circuit with them doing fairs and festivals and, you know, small theaters and things like that. And I, I I really cut my teeth on those tours because there, I was just backstage with Tesla up in Ohio. And one of the, uh, the buyers from the agency was backstage. He's like, "Uh, you look familiar. And I was like, you work at variety attractions, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I I played shows for you when I was a teenager. And he's like, Oh my gosh. You know? And then, (laughs) so you know, it, it, it cut, you know, like there again, it comes more than just being on stage, all the relationships you build and people, you know, over time. And, and, um, when you do get to those, those kind of gigs right there, that's when it, um, it all kind of makes sense. And you start, uh, you know, it's, it's more than just one simple thing is what I'm getting at is, uh, that, that experience I did for those years playing for that band led me to where I'm at now. And again, if I wouldn't have got that audition or if I wouldn't have auditioned, there's the lesson in that one. My singer said, the worst thing they can say is no. And if they, if they did say no, I, my life didn't change. I just went back to doing a normal thing. And, but they said yes. And my whole, my whole life is taking it. That was a, that was a, a turning point for me. Yeah, well, no doubt. I mean, I, I think it's 
the no's are every bit as important as the yeses in life, especially in the music business, because oh yeah, let's face it, we're if you if you spend any time in the music industry, you're going to get a whole lot more no's than you are yeses. I mean, that's just right. Uh, you know, a fact. Um, you know, everybody gets turned down, and you know, you kind of launch that into, you know, a pretty impressive career. I mean, you, you've been doing this for a living for, for quite some time. And, you know, I know you, you've spent a lot of time with low cash cowboys. Um, you're playing with Derek St. Holmes, who's one of, you know, one of, one of the rock legends in the world. Um, classic rock all-stars. Uh, you've worked with Henry Lee Summer, uh, one of my old buddies from Memphis. You know, I spent some time living in Memphis and I got to know Anthony Corder from Tora Tora, you know, when I lived down there. Just a monster. I love Anthony. Man, just a he's monster singer and a great dude. You know, I mean, he's one, one of the best, one of the best people. Oh, yeah, man. I, I, I love, I love that man. And he's, he is such a great singer. Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard him down on Beale Street one night. He was just kind of down on Beale Street hanging out with his buddies. And one of the blues bands asked him to come up and sing. And he was like, let's do a Zeppelin song. I swear to God, I thought I was listening to Robert Plant. I mean, it was unreal. <laughs> I mean, just just an amazing singer. But you've been out on the road for, you know, I, dare I say a year and a half or so. You've been playing a lot of shows with Casey James. Um, who has really, you know, started blossoming in, into his own thing. But, you know, talk to us about some of those gigs, because I know that, that you're not doing them all, all at one time. And it's really about the networking that you've done over the years. You know, I go to this gig, I do a good job. Maybe I get referred to the next gig kind of thing. W walk us through how some of these things have happened for you. Uh, well, like the Casey gig? Yeah, uh, for, for sure. Well, I, uh, in 2000, what year is it now? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think in 2015, I, I'd been on the road with low cash for over t uh, nine, 10 years at that point. And I, and I, and I didn't do a whole lot of moonlighting because there wasn't time. We were doing 200 nights a year sometime, some, some years, um, and, you know, I, I did some sub work here and there, you know, for like Ty Herndon and who, you know, uh, you know, every now and then you'd, you'd get like a little sub work, but there wasn't very much time. So my, my calls stopped coming in because they just assumed don't call Dave. He's our, he's on a never ending world tour and, <laughs> and, you know, he's on a space shuttle somewhere playing the moon for a birthday party. So he ain't going to be here. So don't even call him. Well, um, after the low cash thing ended, it, it, it spread really quickly that I was available. And then next thing you know, my phone is ringing off the wall. And, um, I got a call from, um, Eric Brittingham from Cinderella. Uh, Cinderella wasn't doing anything. His other bands were folding and let's start something. So we started something and I was at one of the rehearsals for them. And, uh, a buddy of mine named Mike Catone, which you need to have on this show. Um, he, him and I had both played, we played for Steel Magnolia. I played for Steel Magnolia once and he went out and finished the tour with them and, and became a member of that band. And he had gotten a call from another drummer 
uh, to sub for uh, Casey James. And all of a sudden, Mike couldn't do that gig. So he, uh, I, I said, cool, send me the charts and send me the recordings or whatever. And he goes, dude, I haven't done the gig yet. I just got called to sub it. Now I have to sub it again because I can't do it. And I said, okay, cool. I think I remember this guy from American Idol, blah, blah, blah. Just send me the, you know, his number. So I got his number. Um, and those were all fly dates. I literally met him at the airport sitting at baggage claim. <laughs> and, and he's sitting there just looking at me with headphones on. And I looked at him because he sat right next to me. And I said, I, I leaned over and I said, hi, Casey. And he just said, hi, and went back to listen to his headphones. I said, uh, and I tapped him on the shoulder again. He was like, yes. And I was like, uh, my name's David. I'm your drummer. And he goes, Oh, I thought you were a fan. Just kind of like, doing it. <laughs> so, um, we kind of hit it off and we played a, a string of shows and then he took off a year. So it wasn't really anything to sink your teeth into. He was kind of coming out of that country thing where he was kind of being forced fed his, his, uh, and, 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 and his, you know, what they wanted him to be and what he did not want to be at all. Right. And he, um, ended up, uh, taking his own path and, and, and making an album that year, having a baby with his wife and kind of just took the year off to reflect and do some other things. And at the end of that year, I, I had been out with uh, Southern rock revival, several other different groups and artists and things. And, uh, all those weren't panning out They were, you know, it was, you're hopping from one hot plate to another. Nothing to, you know, nothing to leave your drums on the bus for. And, and, uh, I got a call from him saying, Hey, I'm getting ready to go out again and do this and give me a call. Let's, let's go have breakfast. And so we went and had breakfast one day and he was like, I need to put together a band who you got. And, uh, I was just coming off the Jason Michael Carroll thing. And so I went and got some of his players that were coming off of it too. And, uh, we just kind of kicked in and started, started rehearsing. And, um, he's kind of rebranding. He's trying to shake that country pop image thing. And the American idol thing that's hanging over his head because he's a real player, man. I, I even, I'm going to be honest with that. I, I even thought he was just a pretty boy with a, with a voice and, and that's all. And I got in the band with him, and I was like, "Okay, never mind. You're the real deal. You know, he he can he can really play. He can really sing. He really writes. He's he's got the goods. You know, he can he he can deliver." And uh, so I've I've been with him for the last two years now, uh, solid, kind of dedicated to his schedule, and then I fill in other things because his tour schedule isn't uh, really really full, but you know. Anything he does got, I'll, I'll go with him on. We've been out with Kenny Wayne Shepherd and Delbert McClinton a lot, um, doing blues festivals, guitar festivals, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, being older, my, my priorities have changed, such as his. I'm more into being around the musicians than the than the uh, the famous artists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, there's a difference between artists and musicians, and and I don't want to be around the artist anymore. I'm, I'm done with it. It's, it's a, it's an empty cavern of, of emptiness. It's like, you know, it's what I call McDonald's and I, you know, for anybody that works for that's great, but I, I just feel I'm, 
I'm too old and stayed at the party too long, and and now it's time to be with players. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I had I had this conversation with my best friend last night, literally. You know, um, my buddy Phil Weisenberger, who who runs a great studio here in Kentucky. You know, we were talking, and I said, "Man, I am at the point in my life and my career as a musician that all I care about is playing good music with people I love and care about." I, I don't care about tour buses, thousands of people, people at shows. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff matters anymore. If nobody ever sees me live on stage again, I'm okay with that. I just want to make good music. If the shows come, they come. But let's hole up in the studio. Let's write a bunch of good music. Let's get the best players that we know together that we like and play music. I mean, right? And, and if you... If you have the, the capability to let go, like you're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm done with the, you know, chasing the fame and the, the famous artists. If you just let go, sometimes it's the most uh, creative period in your life. And I know you're kind of going yeah. through that right now. Um, yeah, and- there's 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 a uh, there, there's this unsaid, unspoken um, race and chase for this fake golden carrot in Nashville of you got to get on with this artist and they, you know, and you got to get on with this guy and you got to be, got to get on a bus and you got to get out there and have come some kind of, you know, um, stature and make this presentation and, and getting a modern drummer and getting to now, granted, I wanted to do all those things too at a young age and, and, and I did. And, and, you know, I, I achieved those things, but it, they, they were really empty you know, uh, it, it wasn't, I, I played shows in front of 80,000 people in arenas and walked on stage to lights going down and people cheering and, and everything you ever wanted as a kid. And I walked off with that particular group embarrassed going, Oh my God, I can't believe that that we just did that. That was horrible. Yeah. And, 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 and not felt good. But I tell you, every night that I've, and I'm not saying this because I'm with him right now, I'm telling you right now, there's not been a show that I walked off with Casey and went, that was so much fun. And the only thing I'm bummed about is we don't get to play another hour. Yeah. Like I, I'm ready. I like, I wasn't done yet. I'm ready to go back up and do this for a little bit longer. Um, we, we run off stage and run to the dressing room and, and like little kids. Oh man, you missed that note on the second verse and that caused me to, skip to the three and ha ha ha. And they'll have to come drag him out of the dressing room, go to meet and greet <laughs> or the merch table. Hey man, you got meet and greet. Oh man, I'll be out in a minute. Hey man, you hit that keyboard solo and then Dave hit the kick drum and boy, I went, did y'all hear me hit that clam? That was fun. You know, and then, and, uh, oh, the solo was great. You know, we'll talk music and, and it used to not be that way with the artists that I'd be on tour with. It was all about the look at me and I'm awesome. And, I mean, it, it it had nothing to do with music. It had it was soulless and impulus, and I and I I'm so glad I'm not a part of that anymore. Again, I'm not saying they all are, but well, there's there's more than there's not, and it's and it's fake, and it's uh, it's not about music. It, it's really good for me to to be um playing music with musicians. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think if 
you know, and, and I don't want to pick on anybody because there's room for, for every style, for, for everything. But when you go see some of these groups, it's all backing tracks. It's a drummer play into a click. And if he can do that well, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter what he plays as long as he's on the click, right? Um, yeah. And if you see him in Topeka or you see him in, you know, Cincinnati, you see him in Daytona Beach, you see him in Kansas City, it doesn't matter. The show is going to be exactly the same for the whole tour. And that's okay yeah, yeah. If, if that's what you're into. But you know what? I like to see a band and go, gosh, I wonder what they're going to play tonight. You know, I, yeah, you know, uh, what, you know, with the, the consistency of the shows and being a will machine, I get the set list thing. I even get the click thing. I, if you want to see me freaking out, see me go on stage without the click. And it's not that I can't play without it because tomorrow night I play with Derek St. Holmes and then and like, I've got shows coming up with him in the next two weekends and he ain't having no click. And right. And the thing is, is with Casey, I home run the click to my ears. And it's just for consistency because the, the human heart and the emotions and whether you ate good that day or you ate a salad or you didn't get enough sleep or you're in an argument with one of your family members, girlfriend, wife, or whatever, or you're really happy. You had three Red Bulls and a cup of coffee and now everything's really fast and um, – <laughs> You know, there, there's human element there to where, and then you play different venues. So a lot of people don't understand when you play an arena or play an outdoor venue that's really huge, that there's a time delay. You know, like your bass player's, you know, four car lengths away from you, you know, and you're like, you're not feeling his bass and everything sounds slow. And your big 26-inch kick drum that, that sounds massive in a theater sounds like a little teacup outside or in an arena, you know, and... And uh, it, it does feel different, and everybody questions themselves. And when you have a click, and you can say that's that's 92 beats per minute, just like it was three nights ago, it it uh, it corrects that error, and it corrects that for me. So I, I really am for a click track. But when it comes, there are so many people that confuse a click track with backing tracks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and um, there was a group that I recently saw live and as soon as they started playing i was like i started chuckling i was like oh my gosh i said it out loud and, and my friends who aren't musicians went what and i went ladies and gentlemen do not call in right now because the show you're watching has been previously recorded yeah no doubt <laughs> you know um uh it it was uh it was very blatant that we were watching i mean i understand some some things but here's casey will not allow backing tracks if, you, if you're going to see a band everything you see is coming off that stage and right then he uh he's even asking me to turn the click off but i won't do it Damn. and uh and then you got groups like when i was in jason michael carroll's band everybody had to click everybody and it wasn't for anything other than jason could be out on a catwalk starting a song and when i go well two three four you gotta think i'm you know, 30 yards behind him. He ain't hearing that. He ain't feeling that. He doesn't know when to come in. Uh, if he has a click in his ear and he hears click, 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 he can come in on the one. So that's what the click track does for me. 
as far as biking tracks and everything else, um, I, I, I hate it. I can't stand it. Um, I wish it wouldn't. Some of it's necessary for production reasons to line up with the video screen, to line up with, you know, the productions of, of major shows and tours, but, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I prefer to see a different thing and feel a different thing. I mean, we were 10 minutes from opening up for Kenny Wayne Shepard, uh, two nights ago. And, and I was like, Hey, has anybody got a set list? Hold on. We're it. <laughs> no, we're going to cut this song. We're going to, I'm like, just any time before I walk on stage would be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like well, we, we don't even know what we're playing. Right. We, <laughs> and, and, and he'll, he'll call audibles. He'll go, uh, skip this one and go to this one. <laughs> well, and so, we've, we've all had that gig. You know, I played in a band here in central Kentucky for a long time, uh, called the Eric Cummins band, really good kind of Americana Southern rock band. And Eric is one of those guys. He knows every song ever written, you know, <laughs> and he, on some gigs, he would turn around and go, play like ZZ Top, you've never heard this. And it, it would literally be like one of his originals that I had never heard in my life. And he was like, we're going to try it tonight. And, I, you know, I had no idea what was going on. He would just say, play this feel kind of thing. And, you know, there's something invigorating about that, but I'm with you. I would like to know what we're playing tonight, if possible. <laughs> you know, we've all been on those gigs and and I know you've done a lot of filling gigs where you might walk in completely blind and you've just got to make it to the end of the night. <laughs> That's another thing for the click track for me. Uh, I, I looked at Derek one night and cause Derek, speaking of human nature and the human clock, when you play for Derek St. Holmes, he could play cat scratch fever on top of the beat and jamming one night. The next night it'll be a freaking almost a ballad, you know? And, and, um, you know, not almost about it, but you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it'll, it'll vary a little bit. And to him, he's not moving or not different from the night before, but it is, it's, it's, uh, it's how your heart, you know, everybody's emotions change hour to hour and how you're feeling. And I asked him to put, I said, can I click out these songs or run a click? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, <laughs> that's exactly how he answered me. And I was like, okay. That's a big hell no from you. Uh, but, um, you know, going in and playing, like, with Casey calling audibles, you know, you're on stage in front of people, and it's a, it's a pressure cooker. And, and, and oh, oh, you know what? We're not going to play this. You know, we're going to go straight to Supernatural. And I have all the songs written down. Even though he has a set list, I have every song we've ever done to my left. So if he calls out something... I'm not sitting there in, fr in front of a theater full of people going, uh, was that 130 or 98? Right. That's a big difference. And you don't want to screw that up. You want to go with confidence. One, two, that thing took a crash, you know, and then playing with an artist that you never played with. And here's a story for you. I played with uh, Ty Herndon four or five years ago. They didn't send me the set list until like a few days before. They sent me around 20 songs and we ended up playing nine. And, oh, wow. and I met them literally a van pulled up from the airport. I had played with low cash before and they still weren't even on site yet. I got off stage just enough to t grab a time to grab the water. 
They pulled up in the van from the airport. Anita Cochran, his uh, band leader, gets out. She's like, hey, David, I'm Anita. Nice to meet you. I'm like, hi, Ty. Nice to meet you again. Da, 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 da. Here's your set list. We're not playing this. We're not playing this. not playing this. So I had to make notes very quickly. And next thing I know, I'm walking on stage, and they're going, ladies and gentlemen, Ty Herndon. Bam, we're in. And I've got to refer to that set list of my notes of where we're going and what's getting ready to happen. Cause I've got 20 songs in my head and I'm like, when they turn around and go, all right, we're going to play, uh, I want to be loved too much. I'm going, is that the one that starts with the drums? Or is that the one with the bass guitar? <laughs> I don't need to be thinking that right now. I need to be looking at my notes and going, that one's at one Oh two. And it starts like this. Okay. One, two, and you're all of a sudden you're just jumping in with both feet yeah. and, and you're going to want to land that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's not the one you want to fall on your face and under pressure like that. That's what gets you the gigs. Of course you got to play in time. Of course you got to play with dynamics. Of course you got to, um, be good at what you do, but under the pressure that that's, what's going to get you a call back. That's what's going to get your phone ringing. Yeah. It's, it's not always about being completely, comfortable and and you know um there are some gigs you know i call them the the lazy boy recliner gigs you know it's like somebody will call you and say hey man you know i i I need a drummer this weekend and it's gonna be you know nothing but blues and blues shuffles you'll be fine you can walk in and do that gig right um I, i call those kind of the the lazy boy recliner gigs it's easy it's soft you're you're comfortable the whole night then there are the other filling gigs where they call and go, you know, I don't know. This is going to be a set of dream theater music, right? You, <laughs> you need to know all this yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. note yeah, for oh, note. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, I like, I like what you call the lazy boy recliner gigs because there's even even shows like you know when I got called for Derek, I got called the day before. I, I got called probably like 36 hours in advance. And Derek called me and immediately took the pressure off. He goes, hey, Dave, I'm not expecting you to know every song I ever done and how I do them. Just play in time and follow me and I'll be fine. That's less pressure right there. That immediately goes, you know what? I'm not even worried about this because I know some of the songs and I can follow the bass player. And if I screw up, I've only had 36 hours. A year and a half later, now that I've been playing for him this song, I better know these songs tomorrow night. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, crap. Now now I have no excuses to... to, uh, you know, to kick the dog on this one. Uh, right. Um, don't, don't mess up with, with yeah, yeah. after a year, you're on the hook now, buddy. You know, you should know this. Yeah. 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 And, and see here, here's the thing. I, I like, I like to play the songs, even if I do know them really well, play them like you don't know them because the simpler you play, the, you know, the, the, the more you stick to what I call the tree trunk, because if you start going out on a limb, you're going to fall off one of them. Right. Well, you've you're heard You're going to run into a squirrel. You're going to run into a snake. You're going to run into problems. Right. And you're going to shake the tree. If you stay near, near the tree, you cannot. Everybody's going to love you. Exactly. You show your band where one is every time, and you're going to be the best drummer in the world. Yes. And, and you've heard the old statement, you know, and I use this as often as I can because I love the old adage, you know, do fills for show, but groove for dough. You know, what keeps the checks coming is making sure you can groove the song. And 
we've all been in a situation where there's a member of the band that couldn't find one with two hands and a flashlight. I mean, you know, you, right. it, it's up to you to to land it every time. And, you know, we've all been in that situation. And, and I know you're you're an old pro at it. So kudos to you, brother. Yeah, my, my favorite drum kill is a flam on the snare drum <laughs> on, on, on beat on, on beat four. Right. You know, because you you, cra- you you diamond on one, boom, da-da-da-da-da, crash, pop, boom. Because you know what? That tells everybody, here's the one. Yeah. And you could, you know, you could do a bucket of fish and a Chad McHugh and a, a, a what to hump anytime and make it all look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. But, and that's cool and all, but man, when you're in the back row of the arena and you hear Simon Kirk go, God, yeah. you know, the next thing is, Bong. you know where it's at, right? You know, it's going to be, can't get enough. You got it. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. That's all it is. And you say, I, I overuse that kaplomp a lot, <laughs> but that's why my artists love me. And that's why the artists keep calling me back. It's because we recently played a show where this old boy was up in front of us playing church chops the entire time. I mean, all over it. I'm like, he's playing more during the verse and chorus than I do during one of my solos. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never played that much. I don't play that much in a show. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and Casey even said, he goes, ah, he goes, that, that drummer's really awesome, but I'm so glad you don't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you got to play for the song. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to segue because I want to be respectful of your time. I don't want to keep you all day. And and I'll, I'll talk the phone lines down. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, no, no. This is all on, on the, the friendly host here. Uh, but you know, I could talk to you all day. It's like every time we get on the phone, it's like, Hey David, give me a call, man. Uh, 10 minutes at most. And we're on the phone for like an hour and a half. That's just how you Mm and I, (laughs) this is how you and I operate. But, um, to be respectful of your time, I know you're super, super busy, but by the time this episode airs, um, you know, you will be in the throes of Nashville drummers jam. And we're talking about guys that play for the song. And this year, Nashville drummers jam is going to be a tribute to, and I'll let you fill in the blank. Animal from the Muppets. Awesome. I can't <laughs> wait. Is Kermit coming? Is all, that's all I want to know. Yes. Awesome. Yes, but we got to keep Kermit and Miss Piggy separated. That's in the contracts. Okay. I'll now, help you uh, out with that. Uh, it's uh, going to be a Julie Kramer uh, tribute. And every year we have this. My partner, Tom Hurst, is a, another drummer that you really need to have on here. He's That guy right there is a machine. I would love to. Uh, you're gonna have will, to, yeah. You're gonna have to get Tom it, on my radar, or get me on Tom's radar, rather. So that, yeah, yeah, I, sh- I sure will. I'll, I'll, I'll connect you to I, I, that right there. Is a drummer that I will never, ever be able to step near. Um, as when it comes to talent, and he plays some stuff, and he's like, "Hey, man, what, what, what do you think about this?" I'm like, "Dude, I can't find the one on that shit. I don't know what it is." <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, uh, but. Uh, when this whole thing started, I came up with the idea for National Drummers Jam. Uh, we um, we were giving a tribute to uh, Jerry Gaskell, 
and and uh, the story's out there. It's you know I think a lot of people know by now, but it, we do a different drummer every time, and and uh, it's kind of derived from the whole Bonzo Bash thing. And I thought there's so many other drummers that that are deserving to attribute and some kind of thing. And uh, every time we, we're, we're coming up on number 13 now, and we're like, we always have this six month out discussion. Who are we doing? What do you want to do? And it, I feel like every time we've we've chosen one, it's 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 kind of been one that's presented itself to us. Right. Um. We 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 want to do them all, but um the opportunity the presents itself for ones and um you know last year we had we have some that are milestones that are like the really big ones of course everybody talks about the Alex Van Halen how Ludwig and uh, Alex sent in the the uh his Alex's touring kit Alex donated all this money and items and Eddie Van Halen and the whole nine. And then last year was a really special one to me. I'd been wanting to do one for, um, um, uh, Pat Torpy for a while. He's one of my, if, if somebody once said, who really formed your drumming? We all love John Bonham. We all love Buddy Rich. We all love yada, 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 yada. Everybody's got all these milestone drummers that, you know, that household names. Who's the guy that really, who you are, who really turns you on as a drummer. And my answer was Pat Torpy. To this day it is. And now I get teary out about it because we all know Pat passed away earlier this year, two months after the drummer's jam. And uh, I hung out with him last year backstage uh, when they played Nashville. And he agreed to come, be a part of it. He was really honored. And he showed up. I got to play a song with him. I got to play his last song with him that he ever played in, in um, public. And never in my wildest dreams when I was a kid, I thought that would, that would ever even be a thing. And uh, I tell you, I look back on that day. I am glad I got to pl- perform his last song with him and double drum a song. But I really look back and I regret doing it because if I'd known that that was going to be his last performance, I wouldn't have been, I I didn't want to be in the way. I feel bad about doing it now. Does that make sense? It it does. But, you know, I mean, look, Nashville drummers jam, uh, you know, and I'm doing this for the benefit of, of my listeners. If any of you guys have been, you know what an awesome event it is. But it is to raise money for charity. You know, it's David's not getting rich uh, with this. Tom's not getting rich with this. Um, I, I'll go out on a limb and say it probably costs you guys money to put yeah, it on we've, every we've, year. Uh, we've 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 actually went into the hole <laughs> several yeah. times on our own pocketbooks to even make this thing happen. We have to we have to rent a venue. We have to, you know, that's what I you know I thought to myself, man. I really want to do these tribute things, and it's for fun. I mean, there there are. Uh, there are other, there are so many jobs being created and relationships being created. Uh, I can't, I, I could sit here and go down the list of musicians and drummers and, and managers and everybody that's gotten jobs because they met somebody at the National Drummers Jam or one of Tom Hurst Loud Jams, which is, is what our show is derived off of and a part of that, uh, that concert, um, 
that whole concert production of Tom's. And uh, it's to me, it's a beautiful thing, and it sounds all kumbaya, but it really is. It's a big group hug, and and uh, and I thought, well, we got to pay for the venue, we got to pay for the production, we got to pay. Uh, there's a lot of things being paid for, and uh, you know, Ludwig and Pearl and all of them come in and, and do their their part. But at the end of the day, there's a big bill at the end of these shows that we got to pay for, and then anything left over. I, I thought to myself, well, we, you know, the, the original one was for Jerry Gaskell of King's X to, to pay for his uh, medical expenses where he had his heart attack. And then the second one was for him where we, he just so happened to lose a, his house in a hurricane. And, uh, and, uh, I, you know, I was like, man, we, we really need to make this a benefit. And every time we're doing a different drummer, so let's do different causes every time. And now that we're working closely with the artists that we're uh, paying tribute to and honoring, I'm asking their opinion on things. Hey, who's something close? What, what's a um, a charity close to your heart? What's a uh, something that you would like this? You see this money go to? You know, and it, it's a great thing to know that somebody's being helped somewhere. I think our whole mantra is if you know we're really blessed to be doing this for a living. We're not better than anybody else. We're lucky. Yeah, we worked hard. Yeah, we earned it. Yes, we, you know, put in the elbow grease and the time, the hard work to, to do what we do for a living. But at the end of the day, we're damn lucky to be here. And if you don't show some appreciation for the blessings that you've been given, um, it'll be taken away. And, uh, and it's just the right thing to do. And our whole mantra is, if we can't help somebody, then why are we why are we here? Yeah. Well, so, well, and I think, um, I know, think the other cool thing about Nashville drummers jam is the, you know, the camaraderie aspect and, you know, what's cool is, is you know, this year it's going to be on December 17th and it's going to be, you yes. know, out at the cannery. Um, and I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but like if, if somebody just walks up off the street and says, Hey, I want to go see the Nashville drummers jam tribute to Joey Kramer. Is, what is it? 10 bucks to get in. It's we, we keep the ticket prices really low. We don't want to chase anybody away with it. Um, uh, $10 to get in December 17th, uh, Nashville drummers jam number 13. Um, if you've never been each year, uh, all the uh, sponsors such as Ludwig, Pearl, um, Remo, you know, I can go down the list of all the, you know, guitar centers in on this one. They all donate items and you'll buy uh, a $10, $20, your increment choice of um, raffle tickets. And you have the possibility of walking away with a really cool item. I've seen people walk out with a, with a brand new snare drum, a $500 snare drum for spending 10 bucks at the, at the merch table. Yeah, and even if you don't win, that money went toward a really good cause. Of this year, we're giving the money to. Uh, uh, this one's kind of personal for me because I was made aware about a month or two ago. Um, a family friend wrecked her car because, uh, and they didn't know why she just passed out. And long story short, she has a brain tumor, and now she's have all, all these medical bills and surgery and. All the all the uh, little wonderful things that come with such a uh, horrible thing, and so we're just going to give the money to that we give directly to 
whoever we're raising the money for, we we don't like to see one dollar go toward um, anybody's benefit. Yeah. Um, other uh, uh, that doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, you know how some charities will do. You know, well, we'll we'll get fifteen percent toward the the cause, and then we'll take the rest of it. And we pay the bills. You know, with it, we'll we'll have to. Uh, Again, pay for production, pay for the room, pay for whatever, because we're we're struggling musicians ourselves. But uh, everything past that goes toward uh, the charity of whatever is chosen each uh, each show. Yeah, well, and you know, not only the the cool raffle and the raising of the money, but you know, your ten bucks gets you through the door. Tell everybody some of the drummers they're going to see paying tribute to Joey this year. Uh, at this, this year we got, uh, confirmed that I know of now, Chris Nix is our musical director and he handles all the, uh, uh, most of the musicians and drummers coming in and out. And, and as I say this each year, each show, we do have a drummer or somebody calls in and goes, Hey, my plane's stuck. And we, we've had guys stuck in Europe because of weather or they can't get home. But so it, it is every drummer subject to change, but this year that we've got, uh, some of the notable drummers is, is, um, Troy Lucetta from Tesla, Ray Luzier from Korn, Sarah Tomac from, uh, Steven Tyler's band, uh, Chris Frazier from Foreigner. I mean, I could keep going. You, you got, um, in the past, we've had everybody from Ben Caesar, from Brad Paisley, um, uh, gosh, uh, Rich Redman. I mean, it's all the top drummers that you, I mean, we've had, uh, Jason Sutter from everybody he's played for from Cher to Marilyn Manson to, I mean, good grief. Yeah. Well, that and, guy's gotta, and part of the reason yeah. that, that you do this in December is that's kind of when the touring industry that surrounds Nashville shuts down for the holidays. So you're doing it, you know, basically a week before Christmas. So a lot of these guys will be home from the road and you never know. Yeah. You may have somebody go, Hey David, you know, it just so happens my tour wrapped on Saturday. You know, I'll be back home Monday morning. I want to show up Monday night and play an Aerosmith song. Yeah, well, we we plan. Uh, every one of them are booked ahead of time, and they know what song they're. they're everybody's assigned a certain song, and um, and time slots for rehearsal and time slots in the show, and it's it's planned out. But things change at the last minute. But um, uh, along with that comes, you know, the headaches of schedule change and whatever. But there's there's so many drummers there. Well, you know, it's between fifteen to twenty drummers each time, and sometimes you'll see some really great double drumming, uh, you know, things that weren't planned that, and you're going to get a really great show. You're going to, you get to meet some of these guys and rub elbows with them. There is a backstage area that we ask everybody to stay out of and we'll have passes and laminates and all that kind of thing. But that's basically from a work point perspective of having everything flow. Um, but for the fans out there that, that do come to these shows and want to meet some of their idol drummers, they all come out. They all come out and hang out and have a drink and whatever, and everybody's approachable. There's there's no, you know, at the last one we had Billy Sheehan playing, and uh, we had a paid meet and greet for him and Pat, but Billy was like, do you mind if I go out and hang out with the fans? I'm like, of course not. Go ahead. And 
And, uh, you know, like, what am I going to do? Cage you up and <laughs> you in a hole in the basement, you know? And, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's just a really great event to come to. It, 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 the shows are always on Monday nights and we do catch a little bit of flight for that because I was like, why do you always have them on Mondays? I can't get off work and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's when 95% of the, uh, of the entertainers that are playing, that's our weekend. Right. That's uh, when so they're available. Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom Hurst's loud jams are always the first Monday of every month. So he'll do a string of, uh, throughout the year of loud jam events. And then the six one or whatever will always be a national drummers jam. Now we have been doing them in uh, the spring and summer, but I think we're going to go to one a year because it's such an undertaking to put these shows on. And, uh, it kind of relieves the pressure. It makes them more special just to have them. So I think we're just going to start having them just in December, you know? Uh, so, and then we'll, uh, every four or five months we'll do like a little drummer jam themed loud jams event. Like we did national drummer jam 12 was a very light, uh, like an NDJ light, if you say, because one of Tom's favorite players, after we done my favorite player, Pat Torpy, Tom's King of the Hill is like a Vinnie Caliuta or a uh, Omar Akeem. And, you know, that's, those are not household names. That, well, they are in, they are in my in house. Numbers. <laughs> yeah, in my house, yeah, but we live in rare houses. Uh, but uh, so we thought, he thought, well, why don't we just do the drummers of Sting? Oh, wow. That, that yeah. Not, so, so National Drummers Jam uh, 12 this past uh, summer, six or eight months ago is when we did it. Um, uh, we did Drummers of Sting, so we just did a bunch of Sting tunes all night for the, at, at one of his loud jams, and it worked out. You know, it was a, uh, it was just the theme of it, and um, you know, for the Joey Kramer one, uh, you know, it's going to be a bunch of Aerosmith music, of course, all night, and. Um, there will be a Ludwig kit and a Pearl kit set up in the fashion of, at each one of these, we are companies, Tom's with Pearl, I'm with Ludwig. They build or donate kits that uh, replicate that drummer's drum kit. And it's just a lot of fun, you know, and uh, um, to, to do that. Yeah, for uh, sure. To, to get to get on a kit and, and play like what they had. You're not just getting a normal backline kit per se. Right. Well, it's part of the show. And, you know, so I'm encouraging everybody, you know, I I know it's the week before Christmas. I get it. But let's all jump in a van together, drive down to Nashville on the 17th, go out to the cannery and check out Nashville Drummers Jam, a tribute to Joey Kramer. Um, I'm going to be there. Um, You know, our guest has graciously said, hey, man, come on down. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not leaving the room until I have Troy Laquetta painted into a corner <laughs> and, I will con- help you with that. and confirm to be a guest on this show. And, you know, we've we been going we've been going almost a year and, and he's on my Mount Rushmore of drummers and I am going to have him on this show. So he doesn't know it yet. But <laughs> oh, 
I'm, you have your recorder ready. I'm going to put him in a room with you and I'll lock the door. You don't, you know, I won't open it up until you knock three times. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Troy, you can't leave until you give this guy an interview, but no, all joking aside, um, it'll just be cool for all of us to get to hang out and, and just talk drums. You know, that's, I mean, yeah. in, in this, in this show, I want to, I want to, you know, emphasize this isn't just for drummers. If you're a fan of Aerosmith music, yeah. if you're a fan of just good musicians playing, you're going to be, a, you know, you go to a Brad Paisley concert and you see Ben Caesar uh, playing his country shuffles and everything. You go to Corn uh, and you see Ray Luzier playing corn music and Jonathan Davis stuff. Man, you're going to come see him slay some Aerosmith. You know, uh, you're, you, get, you get to see drummers and musicians play stuff that they don't normally get to play live. And they come, everybody comes out of their shell a little bit. And like Kevin Murphy has, has said before, there's a couple guys over there going, "Oh, I can't watch the watch, I can't wait to watch this dude tank this song. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to screw this up. I, he did it. He screwed up. Ha ha ha. You know. And it's there's a big uh, uh, elbow. To, you know. Ha ha ha. You messed that up. Or ooh, dude, you slayed that. Or whatever. And it's it's uh, we see each other on the road all the time in our normal element and playing our muscle memory shows. Yeah. This is, we, we get to, we get to come out of our box on this one. We get to pretend like we're Joey Kramer on this one. And, uh, and it, it, everybody gets in the spirit and the mode, all, all of the decor, like the, the, the posters that Danny Bueller from heart of the city design designs every year. Um, with our, uh, our video production crew of, uh, you know, the Nashville loop and, and Nicholas gray from his place. We, um, the, uh, the Owensville video guys, they, everybody comes together and it, the, the backstage passes are going to be, we, we always have like little Easter eggs. We have fun with it. It doesn't just say backstage passing DJ on it. Yeah. You know, we, we have, we, we totally get into the spirit of things. It's almost like a Christmas, you know, the Christmas trees come up, the lights come out, everybody's singing, you know, the, that kind of, it's, it's a good spirit. And it's fun. And uh, I encourage everybody to come out. It's not just for drummers. I know it says National Drummers Jam, but um, guitar players, bass players, uh, singers, if you're just a fan of music, come out. Uh, it's only 10 bucks, and it's a Monday night. It's fun. It's fun, man. I mean, uh, it's a good time. So, yeah. And you might, you know, go come spend 25 bucks at the merch table. You might walk home with a really cool present for uh, a loved one or yourself or whatever. And I think we're going to start venturing out into more items than just drum stuff. Uh, I think guitar center might be throwing in some, uh, things, SKV cases talks or talking about, uh, throwing in a, a guitar bass case or something like that. And, um, so everybody's has a chance to win some really cool items. And, uh, if at nothing else, you're going to see some really great musicians, uh, play some stuff that they don't normally get to play yeah and and it's all for a good cause so uh, you know yeah. we we, we got to get going toward a really good thing yeah we, we'll get the place packed for you david um you know that's that's no problem and thank you for doing it and listen man thank you so much for coming on i'm going to be respectful of your time but the invitation is always open to you you know that brother you can come on this show anytime you're just always so busy it's hard for me to nail you down because you've always got a gig someplace um 
we had to delay today because of everything that was going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a nonstop thing. It is what it is. And I understand it because I've been there myself. You know, it's like, hey, man, I, you know, I know I told you I'd be there at noon. It's going to be like one thirty. Sorry. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 a musician's one thirty. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're on drummer time. So uh, but yeah, man, come back anytime. I'd love to have you back and, and just, you know, I think it's great for our listeners just to hear a couple of drummers talk about being a drummer, you know, it's it's different, I think. Um, and and we can talk about paradiddles and ratamacues all day long. And I think some of the coolness gets lost in that. You know, I love talking about paradiddles and ratamacues, but with you, we can always talk about real world situations, which is awesome. You know, so so yeah, co- I, I I think uh, even in today, your drummer's drummer even gets sick of talking about the, you know, paradiddles and, you know, we could, you know, don't show up to the drummer's jam thinking you're going to talk to somebody about, uh, what rides you're playing. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, we're at the point to where we don't care anymore. It's, it's a symbol. I'm going to hit it. Right. And it's, and it's going to piss off the singer. It, it, perfect. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I think what, you know, your podcast and some of the podcasts now, if drummers are going to learn anything today from any of this and, and upcoming drummers and guys with dreams is, is, uh, how to manage finances, how to manage the bass player that, that, that doesn't play with your kick, uh, how to, you know, how to manage really what you're doing here. Th- this isn't jumping on stage and a spotlight comes on and you walk off and somebody hands you a cocktail and a plate of ham. That's not the way it happens. Yeah. It's, this is, you know, Hey kid, you want to be a professional drummer for a living? Okay. Load all this stuff in and out three times go sleep in an airport for a little bit. Eat out of, uh, eat with plastic sp- spoons and forks and out of, uh, uh, disposable trays and, uh, get an addiction to coffee. If you still want to play after all that, then I'll teach you how to do a paradiddle. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's real life advice right there. So we'll have you back real soon, David. Maybe we can do a uh, Nashville Drummers Jam recap uh, here here in just a few weeks and and talk about how the yeah, show went. Great. And and we'll let you that do would, a that would be excellent. Yeah, do do a whole hour of advice from David. How's that sound, man? <laughs> I don't know how far you want to go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh I tell you, we, we need to get we need to get tom hurst on here uh i'll i'll pin down troy for you awesome get the core for him out and we'll we'll drug him and put him in a room and, and then uh and when he wakes up you can start interviewing him okay well <laughs> folks you heard that the assault charge goes to david parks not jamie Eads. so all right david brother have a great one i will see you in nashville uh here in just a week or so for nashville drummers jam thanks so much for coming on the drum shuffle brother i really do appreciate it thank you for having me all right man i'll see you soon all right see you brother bye All right, everybody, that's going to do it for episode 46 of the Drum Shuffle. Many thanks to David Parks for taking time out of his busy schedule to come on the show. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys all head down to Nashville on December 17th for the Nashville Drummers Jam. It will be held at the uh, Cannery Ballroom 
uh, on December 17th at 9 p.m. I do believe uh, I will be there. So if you see me, make sure you come up and say hello. I will look forward to seeing some of you guys on the 17th in Nashville. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in. We have some fantastic guests coming up here over the next few weeks that you're not going to want to miss. Next week, I'm going to be joined by the great Chris McHugh. Uh, Chris is uh, his playing has sold quite honestly over 150 million albums. Uh, of course, uh, toured for a long time with Keith Urban. Uh, he has done many, many recordings with uh, the likes of Carrie Underwood, Kelly Clarkson, uh, Toby Keith, Brantley Gilbert, uh, you name it. He has been the drummer uh, on it in Nashville. So we're going to be joined by Chris next week. You're not going to want to miss that. Keep your emails coming to us. We love hearing from you throughout the week. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. Of course, our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. You can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Thanks so much for listening. We can't do it without each and every one of you. So until next week, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers. Cheers.